Hello, everyone. Tonight, we feel like more here on the POD cast. This is episode number 17, a very huge episode. Welcome to your favorite podcast about new metal. This is the POD cast. And this month, we are covering Deftones White Pony. I'm John, and with me is a man whose address is 665. Oh, I forget, Brian Quinby. <laughs> that is a good one. 665. That's not my address, John. <laughs> I don't even I don't know what I your know. address is, and I don't need to know it to be honest. I mean, we I mean, we have we have actually hung out in real life uh because Blocked Party came down to Seattle to do some shows with Street Fight Radio, both of our other podcasts, but you know, this this could have very easily been a situation where you and I have been doing this podcast now for over a year and just never met each other. Yeah, that would be very that. Yeah, that's a totally possible thing. I mean, we did do it for a few months without knowing each other or meeting each other. So, yep. yeah, I thought it was good before and after, you know, it's cool to have performed yeah. live. I mean, meeting you didn't change anything. Yes, for sure. I mean, that was very funny because just the way the timing worked out, I think we had only done one or two episodes of the POD cast, and then the third episode ever was a live episode. Yeah, I would have to check. But I mean, you're a stand-up, and I've I've kind of... I do like the, the improv improvised thing on stage with Brett for so long that I, I was never really super worried about getting up there. Oh, yeah. I wasn't worried. Yeah. No, me neither. I mean, we had fun. The crowd, I mean, some of the crowd liked it. Some of the crowd definitely never heard a new metal song in their lives. Uh, Yeah, big time (laughs) dorks. But you know what? I want to talk before we get into this, obviously, a huge album. This is one uh, we celebrated its 20th anniversary back in June uh, of 2020. And, uh, you know, I, I think, Brian, last month we did Crazy Town. Uh, A lot of people really liked it because, you know, it's obviously a very chaotic album. The episode was very chaotic. And I think there was a bit of a sentiment among some of our listeners that we should just like really only be doing bad new metal albums. Um, But I, for one, do not want our show to turn into that. And I'm thrilled that (laughs) White Pony won the poll so we can continue to do. Obviously, new metal has a checkered past and there's some great albums and some not so great albums. But I'm thrilled to be doing a good album this month because it feels like a while since we've done like a seminal classic. I guess we did Chocolate Starfish for our one year anniversary in September, but it felt like it had been a few months since we really got to do a classic. So I- I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, for this one. I mean, you know, it, it's significantly less prep on this one for me because this album is embedded in my brain. You know, I didn't have to listen to it 12 times to, to know the album, you know, so that was nice but uh uh, yeah i don't think we should do all bad albums i think bad albums are funny and like i'll probably always put a bad one up in the poll just because it's a it's a funny idea you know but but like uh no i like doing the good ones too i enjoy doing the good ones and uh i don't want to do a show i mean we would just then be making fun of it at that point new metal so this is the way it should be yes exactly this is the way it's got to be that's a new metal song but i can't remember <laughs> what it is it's a oh coal chamber song that's what that is this is the way it's got this to be this is the way it's got to be i don't even know if that's this is the way it's yeah, got to be go. it's got to be yeah okay that, i remember i remember that band. song i was never a big coal chamber guy but i remember that song yeah i do uh, i was uh 
we were nominated uh, and we came, I guess we came second to, to our friends at, at Roach Coach, but we were nominated in the Reddit New Metal uh, thread for New Metal Podcast <laughs> of the Year, it. which I mean, coming second. Oh, they definitely deserve it. Their podcast is much better than ours. But we, you know, I think when there's only like five New Metal podcasts coming second doesn't really uh, hit the same. Um, but it's been funny just like reading some of the Reddit posts and about like New Metal podcasts in general and some of them talking about how they don't like our show or Roach Coach because it feels like we're shitting on New Metal all the time. And I was like, does it though? I feel like you and I, especially in the year of our Lord 2020, are like very pro new metal compared to like 99.8% of the population. Like, yes, we definitely clown on some shit, but this is like a very clownable genre. It's coming from a place of love, I feel like, most of the time, or at least it is for me. Aside from Crazy Town, Crazy Town was very much from the hate side of my heart. But most of the time, this is a this is a love pursuit. People for take me. this shit. They take music so seriously. Nobody wants to. So serious. Nobody wants to joke around about their music, except for guys like us who I love joking around about all of my music, even the stuff <laughs> I feel really passionate about. I will make fun of, you know, like and I mean, there's a lot yeah. of these albums that I fucking love that, like, I'm pretty passionate about. And uh, um. I, I just I, I'm still going to make fun of them. I mean, Fred Durst made some of my favorite albums ever. And, uh, you know, he's very easy to make fun of. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, right? It's like to me, this is a genre that even if you love it, you have to like you have to understand that there's a lot about it that's pretty fucking yeah. funny. Um, and, and this is not like, I mean, you know, you can have any opinion about our show or new metal that you want. I just think it's like very funny to me that, you know, uh, that people would say like, Oh, they, you know, they're so negative and they're just shit. It's like, we, c the podcast could yeah. be that if we wanted, like you said, that was the only reason I brought it up is because I, what, exactly what you said. If every month we were doing a crazy town or a methods of mayhem or a whatever, whatever, you know, then yes, then that would be the point of this show would be just like, Hey, let's pick the worst of this thing. Spotlight it shit on it. We don't, I mean, I feel like we contain multitudes, yeah. you know, that's what I'd like to believe anyway. <laughs> I mean, any, but I, I, it's very shocking to me that there are so many people that are super into new metal still anyway, but I guess like there were people super into hair metal when I was into new metal. So people just, yeah, you know, people still go see Jackal in concert, even during a pandemic, they still go see him. <laughs> Well, that's because that's the type of person who still listens to yeah. Jackal is the type of person who also believes COVID is yeah. not real or or if they believe it's real, they don't were they're not worried about it. It's just the flu, Brian. It's just the they flu. They were out stopping who the steal yesterday. Like, sorry, that dates it. <laughs> yeah, <but>. exactly. <laughs> For sure. There are definitely some guys who were inside the Capitol yesterday who have seen Jackal in the last yeah. five years. No question in my yeah. mind. I love saying stop um, yeah, the I, I steal think it's just, for some reason. It just cracks me up. For I mean, it's less funny today than it was, yeah. but still, it's such a bad, uh, uh, it's such a bad slogan, you know. And and I just yes. figured out yesterday that it's it is the reason it stopped the steal is because COVID it, the 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 thing is stopped the spread. And that's what they're doing. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's even worse. That somehow makes it way worse. I wish I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. 
That seems much worse to me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't figure it out. It's such a bad slogan that I on it. I did not figure that out until yesterday. I was like, oh, that's what they're saying. I, actually, what happened was I was driving home from Brett's house after doing Street Fight, and there's a sign that says, stop the spread, wear a mask. And I was like, oh, my God, these people are fucking incapable of doing anything cool ever. Oh, yikes. Yeah, you're right. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, you know? yeah, nothing. You know, I, I guess maybe the way like what I could see maybe is like if you were because I think you and I are two huge new metal fans, unironic new metal fans, you know, and we pretty much have been our whole lives. But if you are someone who is like so, so passionate about it, pardon me, so much of the discourse is making fun of it so i can understand how maybe this genre maybe more than other genres of music it seems like 90 percent of the discourse about new metal is that it sucks so i can imagine i guess if you like love it so much and then you're listening to a podcast where you assume hey these guys must love new metal because they have a new metal podcast and then even we are like hey this is kind of fucking ridiculous then they're like well, holy God, you know, is there anywhere I can turn where someone will just love the same things as me? I mean, also, you know? if you stop in on like an ep the episode we did about P.O.D. or Puddle of Mud or like Crazy Town, I can get where you could think that we're pretty down on the whole genre of music. Yeah, <laughs> because oh, yeah. we go I mean, off of on those. But like, again, it's it, as you said, we contain multitudes. I want to do bad albums and I want to do great albums. I don't necessarily want to do mediocre albums, but I'm open to it. I mean, we've done, we've already done a couple, I would say. I think we've done a few mediocre oh, yeah. albums and, uh, Eventually, we will run out of classics, and then we will just have well, no Well, that's choice. one of the other uh, reasons I don't put one up every month, because I know it'll win. For sure. You know? I knew I yeah. knew White Pony was going to win, and uh, uh, so I, I was pretty reasonably confident that White Pony was going to win, or Rage Against the Machine. So, like, I was... Yeah, that got it got close. It yeah. got close. Rage was yeah, up there. Yeah, so I was sure. just like, you know... Uh, uh, I'm going to listen to a good album this month and that's going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. But you know, I, yeah. we always have the option. I think my new thing now for the poll is one good, one bad is my new, like right. my new gimmick. And I'm going to, and then just let the people decide. Yeah, and I'm going to try to tie them together in some way. Like tonight, I have a plan for my two albums. Oh, they're tied okay. together. A little teaser, a little yeah, teaser. They're tied together, and one's good and one's bad. And it's just whatever okay. you want, whatever y'all want. But uh, I like yeah. that. I like that. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm into that. I mean, I think, you know, part of the reason I want it, and I agree with you, you know, I, I think we have been fairly consistent with like not necessarily putting up like an unassailable classic every month. Um, but I think too, with this one, part of the reason I wanted to do it now uh, is because uh, obviously it's the 20th anniversary and to celebrate the 20th anniversary, Deftones released a remix album called Black Stallion, which first of all, great name. White Pony, already a great name for an album. Great album cover. All of it very good. Remix album, Black Stallion, great. 
Love it. Love where your head's at, Deftones. Love it all. Um, so yeah, so uh, middle of December, they released Black Stallion. Brian, I know you've listened to it. Uh, I have as well. We figured we'd maybe do like a little mini review of Black Stallion here uh, before we get into White Pony. What were your sort of thoughts? Were you, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but first of all, were you a big kind of remix guy and, and how did you like Black Stallion? Let me, uh, let me answer those in reverse order. Okay. Right. Get ready. I did not like Black Stallion. I'm ready. Because I fucking hate remixes. I always, <laughs> always hated remixes. I cannot fucking think of a remix as another song. I cannot do that. I can't separate it from the song that I'm used to, that I know, that I love. I just can't do it. And then so then it's like, okay, I'm listening to Passenger. But it's a different passenger that sucks now. <laughs> but there were there was stuff I found interesting though. I thought the Elite, which is we'll get we'll probably talk about this later, is a song I don't like very much on this album. Yeah. And I thought that remix was pretty cool. Uh, uh, some of them I would I would categorize as fine. Is is I think how I would how I would uh, categorize this. But again. I don't like remixes. I just never. I mean, Fear Factory did a remix albums in between all their albums. I never bought one. I was just like, I can't even fucking believe they're wasting their time doing remixes. Yeah. No, that, and, and that, like, don't get me wrong. I, I get it. I just, um, yeah. I, I, so I'm sort of, I, I'm maybe a little bit less, uh, strict about it than you are i i genuinely don't like remixes for the most part and for the same reason as you i think most of the time like i would actually say i'm more likely to like a remix if i don't know the original song like if i'm like oh this is a remix oh cool there's an original great like um like here's a very fun example like <laughs> natalie imbruglia torn that's not a remix it's like a cover but like it's the same kind of idea for me remixes though tend to be much worse like i think a cover song you can kind of just do the original and it can be still pretty good whereas like in remixes yeah they, it's or sorry what i should say is with a cover song you can go way away from the original and it can still be really good whereas in a remix if it tends to steer that far away from the original and i know the original then i'm probably not that into it um so yeah i, I the remixes i tend to like the best are the ones that sort of stick close to the to the um to the sort of core of the original song like if i like it and know it i do remember when I was uh, like, uh, this has got to be, I don't know, 97 or 98, I was a huge fan of Bush, uh, or as we called them in Canada, Bush X, because uh, they weren't allowed to be called Bush here. I don't know uh, Yeah, if, if you're an American and you don't know that about the band Bush, there was an English band called Bush uh, who had trademarked their name in Canada as well. I guess because we're part of the Commonwealth, but did not trademark their name in America. Um, so Bush uh, was able to be called Bush in America, but then in England, where they're from, and in Canada, they were called Bush X. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then they eventually like won the copyright. And I remember they held like this big press conference. Like that's how big bands were back then. Like even a band like Bush, who were not that big, held a press conference, I think in Toronto, and they had a sign behind Gavin Rossdale that said Bush X 
and then it turned out the X was like Velcroed onto the sign. Oh. So he like stood up and like ripped the X off of the Bush X logo and they just became known as Bush. But I still have two. I still have 16 stone and um, oh God, what was the album? Razor Blade Suitcase. Uh, that's right. Razor Blade Suitcase. I still have both of those albums that have the X on the cover. So I can only assume in like 2055 those will be worth like $5 more than they were when I bought mm, them. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I remember Bush X did a remix of the song Mouth for uh, a movie. I think it was um, like American Werewolf in Paris maybe or something. Anyway, I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. People will get mad. But they did a remix of it, and I remember liking the remix, and but being young enough that I didn't really understand what a remix was or what a remix album was. And Bush did a remix album. I think it was called Deconstructed. And I remember we were talking earlier on when we did our singles episode on Third Strike, we were talking about how you'd buy CDs for one song. And I remember buying it and being like, what is this? What are these songs? This isn't the Bush X that I know and love. I'm so fucking confused. This sucks shit. <laughs> and so I've had a very contentious relationship with remixes ever since. I just, I, I, I can't, I, if I could separate, I think like the key to enjoying remixes is being able to separate the song from the remix and just being able to enjoy the remix on its own merit as a brand new song. And, uh, Maybe it's a personality flaw. I can't do it. I absolutely just am <laughs> like, no, I don't want this. I, I want to hear the real song. I just want to hear the first version of the song that they made. I mean, I, saying I hated it is a very strong word, but it's also true that I, I did hate it. I got no <laughs> joy out of it. <laughs> I would say, uh, so there was no, you said you kind of liked the elite one that was by blank mass. Uh, was there any other remix on here that stood out? The to you? elite, the elite remix sounds like a Japanese wrestling entrance theme. That's why I think I nice. liked it. Uh, uh, yeah, to me, it sounded almost like an eight bit video game. It had that kind of like, like kind of fast feel to it. And so I can totally see it as like a Japanese wrestler's entrance. Also, Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the song Digital Bath, and I feel like you could almost do anything with that song. And this one is like the Digital Bath is probably seriously my favorite song ever made. Like I would give it a 10 out of 10. And, you know, I would give this the, the remix a five out of 10 on here which is right. you know better than a one out of ten you know <laughs> that's uh, i mean that's true no question uh i can't i can't argue with you there brian sometimes i'm not afraid to argue with you but in this case five is better than one and i am fully on your side right. i um, mean yeah i don't, don't want to be like an, i we just talked about how we're not negative on these albums but then the first album we talk about on the show i'm like i fucking hate it <laughs> so it sounds like i'm negative <laughs> yeah i hate this fucking shit i fucking i mean it's okay uh <laughs> so i would um so for me the uh I would say there were a couple songs that stood out for me um, that I liked. Um, I really, uh, I really like the um, Knife Party, the Purity Ring one. 
Um, just because I like Purity Ring as a band, and I kind of thought it was cool that um, the lead singer inserted her own vocals and kind of like played off of Chino's vocals in it. I thought that was really good. Um, I could see how if you don't like Purity Ring, like I'm not a huge Fantagram fan, and I felt like the Fantagram remix on here, which they did um, Street Carp, um, I felt like... <laughs> I felt like that one pissed me off because I was like, well, they're just trying to make it sound like a Fantagram song. And I don't really like Fantagram, so I didn't enjoy it that much. However, I like Purity Ring. So I was like, oh, they're kind of trying to make this Deftone song sound like a Purity Ring song. And I like that. But I think that like the thing that p- kind of made me mad about this album, Brian, um, and I also I liked the Passenger cover. I think the Passenger cover is very good, actually. Um, so I'm not surprised that those were like kind of the two like singles, Knife Party and Passenger, both because I think they're fairly similar to the original, but they also have a bit of personality. But I think the thing with White Pony that I like so much, and I'm sure we'll get into it, is like White Pony has this like ethereal quality to it. Um, this sort of like dreamy, gauzy kind of feel that really makes it special. And I feel like the remixes on here that sort of sucked that out of it lost like what's good about the songs, you know? And so I feel like a band like Purity Ring or like Mike Shinoda, who is most likely a huge Deftones fan uh, and would have wanted to like pay them service and understood what was good about White Pony. Those were the two songs that kind of stood out as having more in common with the with the DNA of White Pony, and I think that's what I like best uh, about them, I would say. Yeah, I remember thinking the Mike Shinoda song was good. I, I, again, it, it's, like, it's like taking songs I like and turning them into a type of music that I don't listen to, you know? And that's probably the reason I didn't like. Like, I, I don't listen to Purity Ring. I don't, I don't know if I just don't get it. You know what I mean? It's, like, a little slow right. for me. I like, like... I don't know. I like faster type stuff. Yeah. No, that's... I get it. I'm um, a rock and roll guy like and it. a hip-hop guy, but I haven't listened to hip-hop in a long time either. So, like, it's it's just, again, it, it's like they took the songs and turned them into what I would describe as techno music, which I did not enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's, that is kind of what happened. I mean, that's sort of what remixing still is, even like 20 years later, uh, 20 years removed from the sort of techno movement, as it were. Uh, but let's get into the album proper. Let's get into White Pony, uh, what we're here for, uh, what most people regard as the best new metal album ever made. Hey, wait, wait, before Pardon you do me. this, I'm not looking at Wikipedia or anything, but I want to say the date that this album came out. Just without looking or anything. Okay, so the album White Pony was recorded from August to December 1999 and was released on... June 20th, 2000. That's right. It was released on June 20th, (laughs) 2000. Thank you for the assist, Brian. Uh, It was recorded at uh, Larrabee Sound and The Plant in California. And notable that the album took almost six months to record because... Uh, as we've talked about uh, previously about the Deftones, uh, they were too busy playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater to uh, record White Pony. They uh, they had a big giant projection screen in the studio with Tony Hawk hooked up to it, and they would legitimately pay thousands of dollars for studio time and not actually record anything and just sit there and play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, which is kind of a badass move. Uh, the album was produced by Terry Date, uh, who also produced Adrenaline and Around the Fur, and of course, as Brian said, came out on June 20th, 
2000. Uh, <laughs> the album, as we know, just received a 20th anniversary reissue. Uh, the album peaked at number three on the Billboard 200. It sold 150,000 copies in its first week. Uh, it peaked at number two in Australia, number 13 in the UK, and number eight in Canada. Uh, it was obviously a very popular album worldwide. It went platinum in the US in the year 2002 and has sold over 2 million copies globally to date, including going gold in Australia, Canada, and the UK. And the first single change uh, peaked at number three on the US alternative charts. And uh, the song Elite, uh, which I'm sure we will get into, uh, won, it netted the Deftones their only Grammy award, uh, winning the 2001 Grammy for Best Metal Performance. Uh, so Brian, uh, give me some of your background. I mean, we've already talked about the Deftones on the show. We've taught, we've reviewed around the fur. So maybe don't specifically go into your background with the Deftones in general, although you'll probably touch on that a bit, but what do you remember about white pony specifically and, and it coming out and everything? Well, I remembered it's release date and I don't even know when me and my wife started dating. I couldn't tell you the date (laughs) that I started dating my wife. Or the date that I found out she was pregnant with my daughter or any of that stuff. I But I can't tell you the date that White Pony came out. Um, you know, I was eagerly, eagerly anticipating this album. Like, just probably wrote it down on a fucking calendar and, and had all, like, with stars and hearts around the date and everything. I mean, this is firmly this album came out when I was the biggest Deftones fan in 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 the fucking world one of these days i i should take pictures of the deftones memorabilia that i have like i have a huge collection of just worthless shit you know none of it <laughs> worth the thing just the shit i cut out of newspapers and magazines and i have a uh, one of those bikes those finger bikes I have oh, a Deftones, yeah? one of those. I have a pack of uh, White Pony rolling papers that I bought when White Pony came out. And oh, yeah. uh, uh, I just, I collected everything of theirs. I saw them in concert every time they came to Ohio. It, that was really as close. That, I was a super fan of this band. And this album just served to cement it even more. How much I fucking loved these guys because this was different than anything i had ever heard and uh uh it wasn't as heavy as other albums that i had listened to and that i was into because like i've said before my way of gauging whether music was good was heaviness back then i would be like boy that's not fucking heavy what's the point you know so (laughs) this coming out and it not being heavy and me really enjoying it was like a that was sort of a a big moment for me that probably led me to radiohead and stuff like that like just led me to giving other stuff a chance that wasn't metal you know right now did you because i know like i'm more curious about your history with this album because my history with the deftones is is quite a bit different and, and i'll get into that in a minute but um you know, I know like a lot of people talk about Kid A uh, with Radiohead and how even for like huge Radiohead fans who eventually grew to love Kid A, there was like a period of, you know, people rushing out to buy Kid A and then getting it home and being like, what the fuck is this? 
you know, and being very confused by it and, and not liking it because it was such a huge departure. And like you say, for a guy who was like a huge metal fan and a heavy music fan, did was there any time... Uh, like, did you have to spend time with this album before you liked it? Like, did you have an original opinion of like, oh, this is kind of soft. I don't know if I like this or whatever. I was so primed for it, you know, and, and, and I had heard a few of the songs before the album was released because this was one of the, uh, an early high profile leaked album. So I had heard three or four of the songs. So I knew they were, I, I had heard knife party. And uh, I can't remember the other one. I can't remember all the songs I had heard before Digital Bass. So I was primed and ready to hear it. I was prepared for a softer album. And, uh, you know, the songs are written. I don't know. I just I think it still has like heavy riffs and shit like that. I don't think it's oh, like yeah, for sure. super soft. But those two songs in the middle that, that RX Queen and Teenager that probably took me a few minutes to to right. get into but i will say this too it might not have cuz i remember telling my wife that we had to dance at our wedding to rx queen because it's the most beautiful <laughs> song ever made you and you really had a playlist uh, dialed up for you and Katie's wedding. I feel like four different episodes. You wanted to walk down the aisle to Orgy's revival, uh, yes. and you wanted uh, and you wanted that to be your song, and <laughs> you wanted to dance to RX Queen. I can't believe she married you. To be honest, well, the it fact was she such... did marry you means that you were the right match. <laughs> <laughs> Music was so important to me at the time that like it was just like any occasion i had to show people what kind of music i liked i was gonna have to try to take that because especially at this point when at this point in my fandom of the deftones it's like i was just trying to show people how artsy i was that was like the whole goal it's like yeah i really like white pony i think it might be my favorite deftones album because i (laughs) kind of like art a little bit you know Now, was there like, you know, was there a sense at the time that this was that this was on another level than what Corn and Limp Bizkit and bands like that were doing? There was to me. I mean, aesthetically, this fit an aesthetic that I liked a little bit more, too. Like I bought the black and red uh, special edition albums. They, They had these like just straight flat black and red CDs that had pink maggot on it instead of back to school. And, uh, uh, yeah. Or yeah. Pink maggot. And, and like, uh, uh, I like the aesthetic of it so much. Like I still think the aesthetic to white pony is so fucking cool. And it's uh, very cool. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it doesn't look new metal at all. There was a sense that it was timeless. I think at that time for me that like, okay, these guys really made something evergreen and timeless, I think is how I felt. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, uh, they, they talk about, you know, some of the articles that I read for this, which we, which we might get to. I mean, I feel like you and I know so much about this album, but, um, it was really interesting. They did talk about how they came up once they saw the image of the pony, 
um, that had been made for the cover, they were like, okay, this can stand on its own as like a promotional tool. And they released a bunch of posters that just had the pony on it. So no one really knew what it was about. It didn't say Deftones. It didn't say anything like that. They wanted people to be kind of like, what the fuck is this like white pony that's kind of around and, and hanging out on posters and stuff. And I feel like as an image, it stands alone. I, I like the cover that has both the giant pony in the middle, like the white cover with the black outline of the pony. But I also like the one, the original ones like the red and black or the gray and white, where it's just the small pony in the bottom right corner. I think that's super like everything about it is good. And I can totally see how that would work as a promotional tool. It's such a cool image that you would be like, Oh, what is this? It's so clean and it looks so good. Like, yeah, I really like it. Um, and it was interesting because um, one of the quotes that I liked uh, this is from the Ringer's uh, oral history of the Deftones White Pony that would came out in June to celebrate the 20th anniversary. This quote kind of, I think, sums up what you were saying, Brian. This is from Chino. And he says, I wanted to go left of new metal, not because I felt like we were better than those bands, Moreno said, but I wanted our band to stand on our own two feet. New metal was at its peak. It's in the name, new metal. It's going to be old in time. Eventually it did die. My whole idea was when that ship goes down, I don't want to be on that motherfucker. We tried to distance ourselves as much as we could. And the best way to do that was following the path that we were on. Yeah. I mean, that, that he's a smart guy i mean you did i i I thought it was gonna last forever i thought this was what metal was forever at the time i didn't realize it was just a trend but like uh i think if i was a little bit older like chino and i was involved with it i would have been like no man and they used like that sci-fi kind of uh font to write the name of the band and and like yeah. uh, uh the song titles and shit i mean they just went so far away from what new metal was i mean i i've always said i liked corn's aesthetics but i like corn's yeah. aesthetics in terms of like at that time they were very fucking cool i like deftones because they're still cool like i would still wear a t-shirt that says Deftones. I do still wear t-shirts that say Deftones. Matter of fact, yeah. I wear a t-shirt that ha- that says Deftones and it has two skulls on it. And I get complimented every single time I've worn it by people just on the street. Like, oh, that's a fucking sweet shirt. I mean, Deftones are very real still to everybody. Yeah. And like, I think this album is what cemented them. I think this album will, people will always find this and will always love it. Yeah. I think you're totally right in that. I think the corn aesthetic is cool now because it feels of its time. It's like, it's a nostalgia play where you like, you can wear a shirt with like the follow the leader art on it. And just the fact that it's drawn by Todd McFarlane and it has that kind of like late nineties style to it you feel like, oh, that's cool because it was of a different time. Whereas like Deftone stuff feels cool because it feels like it could be from any time, um, which I think is is really neat and, and an interesting thing about the Deftones. And I think, you know, we talked when we did the Around the Fur episode about how the Deftones are actually kind of dumb guys. And I think they sort of oh. are dumb guys. I think they're kind of like himbos. I mean, we're going to get into it probably a little bit with Steph. Uh, with Steph Carpenter, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, reading some of the quotes from Chino and and some of the other band members about their thought process around white pony, it's interesting to me because I feel like a lot of times bands 
will say they're like setting out to create a timeless album and that is almost always a disaster like usually if you hear a band give an interview and they're like yeah when we went into the studio you know we were just we we just wanted to get back to our roots and we wanted to make the thing like we just wanted to make something that was just going to last forever you know the album's going to fucking stink and it seems like from the Deftones, like everything you read, they're like, yeah, we were going in like, we're going to change the landscape. We're going to do, we're going to change it all. And then they fucking did. And I feel like that's like very hard to do. It's very hard to get into the studio, be like, we're going to do a left turn. We're going to do something so different. We're going to push the boundaries uh, and then actually like follow through in a way that like still holds up extremely well 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, this that that is the thing is like this thing, this thing. Yeah, it'll hold up forever. I mean, I'm sure I could play it for my kid in, in a few years when she's not hates everything that I like, uh, uh, and she would she'll probably like it. I I just they they really did something special with it. Uh, uh, there, it isn't. I do have to say this though. Not a Brian's perfecto. This is the only one of those is science, but it's not a perfecto. I got to tell you, that's the problem with it. That's the thing that makes me sad. I mean, everything else is so fucking good that it still brings it. It's still a 10 out of 10. It's just not a perfecto. But it's not a perfecto. Yeah. No, No. I I hear you. I, I agree that it's not a perfecto. And I think you and I have the same feelings about why it's not a perfecto. Uh, and that is ironically the only song that they ever won an award for, uh, which is because the Grammys are stupid, though. Well, man. they were like, oh, this is heavy, you know? <laughs> well, OK, so they won for best metal performance, not for best hard rock performance. Brian, would you like to take a guess at what other artists were nominated for best metal performance in 2001? Metallica, maybe? No, no, not Metallica. You're close. Oh, I though. was just about to Google it. Uh, was Pantera in there? Pantera was in there. Revolution is my name. Horrible song, too. One of the worst yeah. Pantera songs. Yeah. Um, shit. I can't figure it out. I think I even knew this. Was Tool yeah, in there? No. Uh, it's just one of those ones where it's very Grammy. So it's like you said, it's like one of Pantera's worst songs. Uh, there's also Iron Maiden. Uh, which in 2001 is like, you know, come on, The Wicker Man. Uh, Marilyn Manson, which would normally be fine, but again, not a great song. Astonishing Panorama of the End Times. What? Um, and, yeah. And then um, the only other good song in here, Wait and Bleed uh, by Slipknot, um, which I'm kind of surprised that Slipknot was ever nominated for a Grammy. I think they were nominated for more than one, but I'm still surprised that they were nominated for something as rough as Wait and Bleed. And then it's also weird that Deftones won for best metal performance, but that they weren't nominated for best hard rock performance, which is bands that they would be more of a contemporary with. So Gorilla Radio by Rage won best hard rock performance. The other nominees were American Badass, Kid Rock, Take a Look Around, Limp Bizkit, grievance pearl jam and down by the stone temple pilots so like to me yeah i know i know right it's so bad pearl jam we got to get them in there you know once they made the hard rock category they're like this is perfect now we can nominate pearl jam every year um (laughs) but no i mean i just think it's just so interesting to me that they would take elite the heaviest song on this album put it up for best metal performance when you could take any of the other excellent songs in this album like change or digital bath or knife party and put that up for best hard rock performance and watch it probably win that 
as well. You know, it's just that's a weird way of like dividing the category. I don't think they could have beat Rage Against the Machine. If no, Rage I don't Against think so the either. Machine won, I think that that they lose. I guess is it's like Deftones Probably. don't win the Grammy, but uh, uh, the Grammys are corny as fuck. I can't think of a more corny thing than than the Grammys. They have their metal album nominations are some of the worst shit I've ever seen. We talked about oh, it yeah. on one of the shows yeah. we did. Just some yeah, of the worst music ever. Iron Maiden in two thousand one nominated yeah. for a Grammy. The Wicker Man, baby. <laughs> it's a song everyone remembers and loves. Um, yeah, the Deftones are, are a weird band for me just because I came to them late in like all aspects. And I think I've talked about this on the show before, but with White Pony too, like I remember. Um, so I was into Corn and Limp Biscuit kind of of my own accord, as I've talked about before, through just like much music and the radio and stuff like that. Uh, and then I started working with a guy, I started working at Safeway, uh, here when I was 16 years old. So in Oh one, um, and, uh, he was the one who kind of opened my eyes to, um, you know, some of the other like heavier stuff that was happening at the time. And he was a huge Deftones fan. And he was like, if you like corn and limb biscuit, I don't know how you don't like the Deftones. And it was just Deftones didn't get radio or music video play in the same way that Corn and Limp Bizkit no. and even other even other like new metal bands who had that kind of bigger hit like even Rammstein and and bands like that would get play uh with a big single Linkin Park obviously POD uh Incubus bands like that would get play in a way that Deftones never did so and I just never I was never like scouring the internet looking for it. I, I didn't go to concerts. I was still too young. Um, so yeah, I just kind of never really had a chance to get into them. And then I remember he showed me shove it. That was like the first song that he showed me to get me into the Deftones, which is interesting. Cause like, I like shove it. I think it's a good song. I don't think that's the song I would pick to introduce someone to the Deftones. It's um, single. I think he, he, you know, he let the record play record company make that decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I heard that. I was like, okay, this is pretty decent. Um, and then I heard be quiet and drive. And then I was like, okay, okay, I I'm getting into this. So then I remember I had around the fur, I think was the first album I got, or maybe I borrowed it from him. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'm like into this, but I wasn't like all the way in. I remember just thinking like, this is pretty good. There's some songs on here I like. Um, and then I, and then we went record shopping and he was like, you should get white pony, like white pony. If you like be quiet and drive, he's like white, you'll like white pony a lot. Um, and then I got white pony and I was just like, I literally I, I literally thought to myself, I didn't know m you could make music like this. Like, I didn't know music could sound <laughs> like this, where it was like uh, such a perfect combination of heavy and like melodic and groovy and poppy even and kind of soft. And it was just like, it was like everything I liked about music all put together. And I just, I couldn't even imagine that an album could sound like this. And, and I just like, I became so obsessed with it. Um, and, and that just sparked like a lifelong love of the Deftones to the point where, I mean, they were absolutely my favorite band in the world for at least three or four years. And like after their peak, kind of like I, I can remember when self-titled came out. So that came out in 03, I think. Um, and I remember like loving Minerva. I know people have conflicted opinions about that, but I remember loving that single. I was like, fuck, this album's going to kick ass. I think 
Time has been very kind to the Deftones self-titled album. I think it's yeah. really good. I think it's really good. I mean, it was just maybe it came after White Pony, so that was hard for people. But fuck, did I ever like that album too? And and then once that came out from yeah from like oh three to 07, Deftones, my favorite band. I'd tell anyone who would listen. Same as you, probably back in the day. You know, yeah. you just tell anybody all. You don't and because I think and you maybe Brian, you can speak to this too. I feel like Deftones were were. Oh, they were making music in a way where you thought, how could someone not like this? Like it, for some reason it felt universal to me and it's not, it's not universal music, no, I, but in I my mind, in my like heart, it. I'm like, this is, how could you not like this? It has everything. <laughs> yeah. I had friends that didn't like it. Like I had, you know, close friends who just hated his voice, you know, which like, is crazy, right? <laughs> It is crazy. It is a wacky ass thing to say that I don't like the voice on this, but like I've listened to, I've had people that didn't love them, but like truly though, in my group of redneck friends, I would say a full 80% of us, it was the best band we'd ever heard. It was our favorite band. My sister's cat was named Chino. I mean, like, it, it was just this, like, true obsession. This, uh, the same way you describe. I mean, I I didn't leave Columbus to do anything except for go see the Deftones in, uh, in, in Cleveland. But you know what else is just it, as an iconoclastic band? They also didn't play Woodstock 99, which I always found to be an interesting thing. Like, just they do never they turned got it down or did they not get invited? Who knows? I, I mean, I can't imagine I mean, they Cereal didn't get Joe invited. played Woodstock 99. Serial Joe played Woodstock 99. The Tragically Hip played Woodstock. Our Lady Peace played Woodstock 99. How did Deftones not play Woodstock 99? I mean, they could have turned it down, you know, or yeah, been I think somewhere else, you know, or, or right. actually it sounds like they were off or doing Ozfest, maybe, because I read that article and it seems like they were doing Ozfest. But uh, oh, okay. hey, better than being sullied with the uh, Woodstock '99 new metal thing. It was like they dodged a bullet even there. Yeah, they. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I just did a very quick Google search, and apparently the reason was because of Ozfest that they they were on Ozfest, so they couldn't leave it to play Woodstock. Damn, uh, that's fucked is, up which... of Ozfest though, too. I mean, but Ozfest sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we got firsthand knowledge about that from uh, from Keith Buckley. So we know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting that, uh, yeah, like you said, it's almost like by accident, they sort of avoided getting lumped in with those bands uh, who did play Woodstock 99. And um, I know one of the articles I read, um, I think it was the alternative press article that I pulled where, pardon me, that was from August 2000 where Steve uh, Steph Carpenter talks about playing these like massive, massive like festival shows and uh, just that it was like so crazy to play. No, I guess it was in the, uh, the ringer one, but anyway, saying that they were playing for like a hundred thousand people and it was so wild to like see people embracing their music in that way. But I do feel like it does have that kind of, um, you know, universality that you'd, you'd imagine them being like a big festival band, especially at that, at that time well for as dumb as they seem to be as guys they do seem pretty smart in in like their awareness of where they're at 
in the world. You know, like like they they forgot they they didn't go for radio play. They didn't go for like as much press as a lot of bands did. They didn't try to, you know, they could have easily gone on multiple tours with corn, uh, limp biscuit, all of those bands. They could have gone on tour with all of those bands and, you know, probably made more money at the time. But I think they, I mean, they've said they knew where they knew which way the wind was blowing. And, you yeah. know, corn just started probably really doing well again in like the past two years yeah oh yeah for sure i mean it's definitely uh interesting sorry i'm just i was reading the article where uh <laughs> the deftones were talking about uh working with terry date because they worked with him for their first two albums and they weren't going to work with him for their third record on terry's insistence he was like you've worked with me for two records i always tell bands third record you should find someone else you find someone different and they met with rick rubin and he wouldn't call them the deaf tones because he refuses to say the word deaf uh because i guess he he held a funeral for the word deaf uh have you heard of this oh god i do remember i read that in in the uh, oral history yes what a <laughs> fucking chode he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh let me see if i can find the exact reasoning here um yeah so he said that he's uh yeah he decided decides that uh and this is in 1993 uh this is from variety deaf american recordings had rick rubin is planning a funeral for august 27th and it promises to be a joyful event Ruben is burying Deaf American, the record label he or sorry, record company he founded in 88, but it will be reincarnated as a new label called American Recordings. According to the Burbank based labels publicist, Ruben has decided to deep six the deaf because the word has become mainstream and meaningless. Apparently, Ruben was horrified to find that it even rated a mention in the dictionary where it is defined as a slang word of unknown origin, meaning excellent. The reasoning behind the new name remains unclear, though Robinson cited the Revolutionary War and fighting for the rights of others, the spirit Reuben embodies, she says. So he actually held a funeral for the word deaf and then would refuse to say it. So whenever he was around the deaf tones, he just called them the tones. Oh, fuck, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Secondly, deaf tones <laughs> is one word. It's not. Yeah, he didn't bury the word deaf tones. He buried the word deaf. Does he not say it? Does he not say definitely? Like, oh no, I don't say definitely either. I buried the word. He, call, he calls it the. He calls it the infinitely. Yeah, I infinitely. You know, infinitely for yeah. sure. <laughs> the department of ants. They, they, they. <laughs> he won't say yeah. defense. <laughs> yeah, the department Foot of ants. Football is that made is... up of two sides: the offense and the fence. Yeah, he won't, when he goes to a ba when he goes to a basketball game, he only does half the chant. Yeah, <laughs> he won't say he won't do defense. And I guess it splits ends. it up. So in that case, ends. So yeah, ends ends. Oh my god, what a fucking yeah. Chode is a great way to describe him. Actually, <laughs> he um, is. He seems like one. It's it, yeah. The, the whole thing is funny. This is a quote from Chino. I met with Rick over breakfast, and he was like, "What are the songs about?" I was like, "I don't know." I just had a vision of what I wanted it to be on a larger spectrum than just a heavy rock record. He didn't get it. 
His process is more of you play the song on an acoustic guitar before you record it. We were never that type of band. We make some sounds and the sounds inspire where the lyrics and everything else goes. It wasn't really a match. No, it doesn't sound like a match. It sounds like I don't know how anybody cool could be a match with Rick Rubin. But I mean, hey, he's he's cooler than me. He's, he's, I mean, he's made some huge you know. records. It's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. That you, you think about that and they, they tell a story later in that ringer article as well about how Chino was not necessarily having writer's block, but he like, he just couldn't kind of get everything sorted out. Uh, and so there was that one point he listened to the same song 18 hours in a row in a vocal booth. Cause, um, Terry date said that they would just play a song and Chino would kind of just sort of mumble mouth, just kind of be like, uh. Um, just kind of try and like work out how he wanted to sing it. And I guess on one song he was completely stuck. And so he just laid in a vocal booth for 18 hours trying to get one song, right? You um, can picture him doing that mumbly sound too. That, totally. Uh, yeah. Him just sitting on the couch for sure. T- tonight. I'm gonna, that actually makes perfect sense though as a way to write a song too it's like you make the noises with your mouth and then you put the words where the noises you made with your mouth go that's perfect i mean that's pretty much i mean that's what max martin does right i mean the swedish pop uh the swedish pop genius who basically says like lyrics don't matter as long as the like the way you sing them is the only thing that's important and it doesn't doesn't matter if it makes no sense and that's yeah. kind of how the Deftones lyrics are, too. So it, it kind of oh, all God. works. Yeah, their lyrics. I, I mean, the Deftones lyrics are some of the like they make zero sense. Uh, and also on the other side of it uh, also are just stuff that I can't even like grab onto and like make about me. You know, this album, especially this album, like the lyrics don't make sense. And I I only have an emotional attachment to them because I like the guy that's singing them and I like yeah. his voice. I don't, there's no way to have an emotional attachment to these songs. I mean, like, I think it's like, I, I think though Chino has kind of to me and not to keep like banging the Radiohead comparison, but to me, Chino has that kind of same thing as Tom York where like, the lyrics don't necessarily make sense as like sentences. Like if you saw them written down on a page, you'd be like, these don't mean anything, but there's like a sentiment to the collection of words that means something. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, like I poetry. feel like, yes, exactly. It's like the individual sentences can really hit you in the right way and really make sense and feel, make you feel something even though like grammatically or just like as a sentence, there's nothing there. But it, but it feels, yeah, it feels poetic or or poignant in a in a way. I think, yeah, the words just sound good together. But some of the song meanings on this album are are fucking bonkers. And I think like that was something I definitely when we do what when I knew when I did White Pony, I wanted to talk about some of the the meanings of a few of yeah. the songs for well, sure. Well, let's get into it. We've already talked about how we both hate Elite, uh, and we wish it wasn't on the record. Do you know what that um, but, one's about? Is that about something? God, I have no idea. Is Y'all it? pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I don't like Elite because it just it doesn't fit on the album. If Elite was on Around the Fur, I would probably like it. You know? Right. Right. 
but uh but yeah um, you're right it doesn't fit the vibe especially like i feel like the version of the record that has back to school on it um elite fits with a little better only because it's just a little further in the sequencing uh you know so it doesn't hit you as hard as like when is the third track on the album um and you've already heard fire tessera or however you say it. i'm probably saying that wrong or however people want to say it i don't care i say um, Sierra. okay Fatih Sierra, sure sounds good to me uh, you know it, it could be literally anything again like we were just saying um so yeah so it starts with that then you get digital bath and then it, digital bath which is like creates such a mood and then you go right from that into a lead it just feels too early in the record to like hit me with that um but i don't think i would like it even if it was later in the record but i think it it's it doesn't hit as hard but what what are some of the um the song meanings you want to talk about brian well, Fatih Sierra. Yeah, Fatih Sierra. <laughs> that's how it's spelled. But I, I think it's, is it a made up word? I'm, By pretty, chance? Sure I, made, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. a made up word. Well, there's uh, a fucking perfect Deftones thing right there. Um, they use a made up word for the song title of a song. That in itself is weird. But it is a song about um oh it's a, apparently it's ma- it is a it's a witch or a sorceress in portuguese and it's yeah, pronounced it's, it's pronounced feiticeira feiticeira oh i'm not gonna do that i'm just gonna go back to feiticeira and pretend like you never <laughs> said that but <laughs> but yeah it's about a kidnapping right like this is a song yeah. that's about a kidnapping scenario where he's kidnapped by a woman and thrown mm-hmm. in the trunk of a car exceedingly yep. horny song premise oh I mean, yeah i mean this album is horny as hell yeah but i mean that is ultra horny dude that yeah. is just he it feels like he was he was he was playing with his pp while he was writing this song <laughs> Well, he was in the vocal booth for 18 hours, so God knows what, I mean, he must have, right? <laughs> yeah, just rolling his little pee-pee at his fingers, writing a fucking song about him being ball gagged in the back of a car. <laughs> yeah, that's like the one thing that goes unspoken in, in all these oral histories is just that Chino was just fucking pulling his pud the whole time they were recording, just I going know. to town. Young guy, though, you know, so I could. I don't think he was that young at the time of White Pony, was he? I feel like Deftones are like one of those sort of deceptively old bands that you sort of feel like they. I don't know. Let me see here. Young enough that his dick still worked pretty well. Uh, so Chino, yeah, okay, no, you're right. Chino was only twenty. He was twenty-seven when they were recording. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably still could have sex three times in a row back oh, then. Oh, e- oh, easily. He uh, <laughs> he was born on June twentieth, so the album actually came out on his twenty-seventh birthday. Oh damn, that's tight. Yeah, so he was just like he probably picked that day. Oh, make yeah, it come probably. out on my birthday. You know, I'm a good-looking yeah. guy that has everything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that song. Uh, uh, about the kidnapping, the, the kidnapping is so fucking weird. But then the next song is about electrocuting a woman while she's taking a bath, which I think is also a very fucking weird thing to write about. And horny also. I think it's a bit horny. I think it's like a horny thing. Yeah. If you look at baths as erotic, then I can see I'd look at them as just cleaning yourself. So I don't see that song as horny. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, but I it's mean, a I... murder song. It's he, he I have heard him say, 
you know, it's kind of a, a like a Johnny Cash murder ballad sort of thing that they were trying to do there. And uh, right. again, I said this earlier, my favorite song ever made, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there for me, especially as a drummer to hear like even that opening drum beat is so good and it's produced so well too. Like the drums just sound crazy. I mean, they don't, they don't even sound like, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah, every time I hear it, I like it still. I mean, I've heard the song 500 times and every, every time you hear that, I mean, every time it just gets me, I'm like, uh, it's just such a, I mean, Abe is such an underrated part of the band. I feel like I say that every time we talk about Deftones, but man, it wrecks yeah. me. It wrecks me when it goes, because tonight the guitar oh, makes yeah. that wee noise. I yeah. love that fucking shit. I feel I, like- that was when you, I remember like listening to that song was when you're like, well, I'm not very good at falsetto, but I'm certainly going to try. I am <laughs> certainly going to try. Oh, yeah, it still does sometimes. You're driving at night and that song comes on. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that, that end of that song is just, it, it really does give me chills. It, it's like the first time I ever, I think it really would be the first, maybe the first time I ever found a song beautiful and thought that was okay. You know, like, right? Where I didn't hide. <laughs> where you the were fact like, okay, that to I admit thought it, it was beautiful. You, just sitting around with the boys, being like, I don't know if you guys know this, but digital bath, it's pretty beautiful. You guys it's been listening to that? Song. You guys beautiful been listening song, to that at night? <laughs> My friends would have hit me if I had said it was beautiful. If you said it was a beautiful like, song, huh? You, if it was a, if you said it was beautiful, your friends would have hit you. Yeah, but they would have like actually hit me and maybe leave wherever we were at if I had said that. You did. You just. You just didn't say stuff like that back then. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I grew up in it in a maybe just a slightly different location and time. I feel like I could have got away with man, that song's beautiful with my with my boy that got me into Deftones. I feel like we could have had a moment, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I probably told Katie it was beautiful. I probably would have looked at Katie one time and said, this song's fucking beautiful, babe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, be- I 100% believe that. I mean, I definitely think like, so when I first listened to this album, I guess I had had sex. Yeah. Cause I would have heard this album in like, Oh, Oh two probably. So yeah, I was not a virgin, but I was still like, I had had a high school girlfriend. We had sex like twice. We broke up and then I did not have sex oh. again for another like year and a half. So this Painful. probably would have been in that, in that sort of time period where like, and my high school girlfriend, like, I mean, the sex was not good. I mean, I did not know what I was doing. I mean, it was just, we don't have to get into it, but it was not good. So like, I was basically still a virgin. We'll just say that. So I think hearing this song, even though I didn't quite know it, I, I just, I felt like I want, I want to have sex to this song and it's going to be aggressive, but it's going to be loving. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's going to be like tender aggressive, you know? And I feel like that's kind of the vibe that permeates all of white pony for me. Like all of the songs feel like I want to have sex to this song and the sex could be slow and nice or like very visceral and hard (laughs) and it would fit the vibe either way it would be fine yeah 
It, it does. It, this song, yeah, this is definitely. Uh, I gotta have sex with with my girlfriend to this song. Song. Yes. I probably. I can't imagine I didn't. I mean, <laughs> I maybe didn't. I don't know. But like, uh, uh, did this yeah, come this... out at the time when you were like living in a bedroom where you're where the room the walls were like a bed sheet? What was that? I'm sorry. Didn't didn't you have like didn't you tell me before that like you lived in a place with another guy where it was only a one bedroom and you didn't have the bedroom so the other bedroom was just like oh. you kind of had like a bed sheet around as like a wall? No, we had two bedrooms. I got the whole bedroom to myself. The other two guys split the master in half with a tarp. <laughs> okay, that's what it was. The tarp bedroom. Okay. All right. I don't know so how you the fuck okay. I got the room to myself. That's just incredible to even So think you had that- the privacy to bring Katie over, throw on digital bath and get down to business. Yeah, and I wasn't even yeah. paying my rent when I lived there. I didn't have the money. <laughs> they were some very generous guys apparently. Oh, they love me. You know, I'm a fun guy to be around. So true. You yeah, know, I mean, I can see put that. up with more. Yeah. Just as long as you weren't that. That's why you couldn't call the song beautiful because you didn't want to risk losing your great living situation. Right. <laughs> you call digital bath beautiful and they're like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Get out. Out. Get out of here. That's why I told Katie. I just I had to tell somebody. I was like, <laughs> I got to fucking tell you something. I find this song to be beautiful and erotic. Also erotic. <laughs> That's another Yeah, erotic term. is a good word for sure. Uh, <laughs> erotic but, is a good word to describe this album. But, and then, okay, so several songs I don't know what they're about. The Knife Party. Which I know is what a, that's about. I have a really good now. idea of what that's about. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what it's about, and it's that they would play music on their tour bus and dance with knives on the tour bus like having a good time and shit knife guys by the way you know which is just like you knife guy brian yeah for those of you who don't know if you're not a street fight radio fan uh or you did not attend our live show uh brian got a got a knife for christmas and he is now there's a an alternate personality uh where he's knife guy brian and he (laughs) constantly it's like a switchblade and he constantly flicks the blade at me while we're recording just it's in case so you're... cool, though. It's but that song is about them. They all had knives, I mean, and they were I like think... dancing around. I thought, but well, yes, but I do think the song is also like at least the title is at least a reference to knife play, and the chorus is at least a reference. Like, may, like yes, maybe that that's what they said it was about, and maybe it was sort of about that. But Chino was also like, hey, we could call this song "Knife Party." Talk about that one time we danced on our tour bus with knives, but it's actually about the time me and my wife partook in some knife play i, I mean, mean i guess that's, that's you can't possible. call a song knife party and then have the chorus be go get your knife and then have a very sexual wailing in the background of the entire song by rod lean and try and tell me it's not at least a little bit about knife play and yeah saying kiss me and stuff like that but i do yes. like that story though a lot i like the visual yes when me and Brett go back on tour, I'm going to make him do a knife party in the hotel with me. <laughs> it is very fun. Just don't say it to him like that, maybe. Don't be like, hey, Brett, do you want to do a knife party in our hotel room tonight? I mean, that yeah. could also mean drugs, I guess. It could mean you're doing hot knives. So Key he bumps. might just like, he might give you the benefit of the doubt and and give you, you know. 
um, and say, okay, Brian probably means doing, uh, doing hot knives. Uh, but it, you know, it's what's funny to me is like the, I, I do agree with you in that if Chino was asked about that in an interview, like, I love the idea that cause we've read some Rolling Stone profiles from this time pardon me, we don't really have one from the Deftones. There there was a really brief interview with them, but they didn't get the full profile. Crazy Town got a p- full profile. Stained got a full profile. Fucking Deftones couldn't get a full profile. Like, wh- it's insane. But that feels to me like Rolling Stone had some particularly horny interviewers who would have been like, knife party, like that's about knife play, right? Like for real, you know? Yeah. And then Chino, I love the idea of Chino being like, no, it's not about knife play. This one night we got super fucking drunk on the tour bus. We all picked up knives and we were just throwing them and s- dancing with them. And it was just a true knife party. And the reviewer has to be, or the interviewer is like, what? <laughs> I think that's a funnier thing though. Cause I think it would be like easier just to say it's about knife play because that sounds fun you know what i mean it's like you know i do a little erotic knife play that's what the song's about but instead making it something that sounds 10 times more kind of weird it's just you and your bros just waving knives on the bus (laughs) yes yeah exactly uh i mean again i i'm i'm just i'm on the wikipedia right now the quote from chino is it's a seductive song with a lot of violent imagery. People don't tend to like sex mixed with violence. The midsection has amazing vocals from a girl called Rodline who worked next door to our studio. So, ah, okay. Yeah. And so that's And the song... Rodline story is pretty crazy too because they that, that's actually in that Ringer oral history um, where, yeah, she literally was just in the studio checking out um, like a friend's band in the studio and uh and then ended up coming over to work on the song they have her um talking about it um so yeah so terry uh, terry date said knife party was the song that got me going because it had so many cool things going on in it i remember rodlene doing her parts and how we put that all together none of us even knew what she was going to do then frank delgado said uh all the collaborations happened organically. It all just kind of fucking fell into our laps. I remember Rodlene. We didn't know who she was, and Chino just met her in the kitchen at Larrabee Studios. Then Rodlene said, I had gone there because a friend of mine, an amazing bass player, Rob Wasserman, was doing his solo record. I was going to check out his recordings. There was this lounge green room type area upstairs at the studio, and everyone was taking a break. Someone put in a cassette recording of a show I had just played in San Fran. Chino heard it and brought me aside and said, hey, will you sing on our record? I said, well, I'm sure it's possible. If it hits my soul, I can do it, which is like a badass thing to say to the Deftones. Uh, When I heard the band name Deftones, I actually thought they were going to be a ska or reggae band. Me too. (laughs) Which which is really funny. (laughs) The first time I heard of them, that's what I thought too. And then I heard it does sound like that. Yeah, and then I heard Bored on The Box, which was a TV station where, like, you could uh, call in and a 900 number and then type in three numbers and they would play the video on the TV. So you would go over to some kid's house who you didn't really care about and do it on his parents' phone and get them <laughs> in trouble and then go back to your other friend's house who you liked and watch the video. But uh, uh, I saw Bored on there, and that's when I was like, oh, it's not ska because i had seen the name deftones a lot but i just figured that sounds like a ska band to me yeah no totally uh so yeah then she said they started playing a little bit of the song and right away i was like stop it press record let's go 
I was feeling the song right away in my soul. I knew something was going to come out of it. It wasn't very long in the recording booth. It was all improvisational and spontaneous. It was just a few takes. It all happened very quickly, which makes God. me feel like Rod Lean also horny as hell. And fun fact, I actually saw them perform this song with Rod Lean. Uh, one oh, of the really? very, yeah, one of the, she lives in Seattle apparently, or did at the time I went to see Deftones in Seattle and probably I would guess it was, it was my first year of university. So I guess it'd be Oh four, Oh three or Oh four. And I went down to Seattle and, uh, yeah, Rod Lean lives there. So she came out and did knife party with them and it was fucking cool as hell. Yeah. That had to be cool. That would be nice to see. I've never seen that. I've never seen them do. I, I, I'm sure I've heard Knife Party live, but oh, without yeah, you would have for the, sure the wailing, which is very fucking cool. Very uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking what a fucking song that is. But then the next one that I gotta bring up is Passenger, which is about Roll the misty window down. Yeah. Is that about fucking in a car yeah. and getting yes. into an accident? Yes, it's about fucking in a car for sure. But I think it also includes the accident part too. Uh, um, what, maybe you think not you're having sex while driving, and then I yeah, mean, it's most it definitely about having sex in a car. Like, there's no question about it. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Ro Just like the windows song. are misty, Brian. Who cares? Who sees anything? I'm your passenger, you know? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about... I always thought it was about them driving and having sex and then wrecking the car. Maybe that's just that movie that came out, which there is a whole movie <laughs> oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, Crash, the good one, as people say. Yes, the good Crash. Is it, a, but, is uh, it Cronenberg, uh, that Crash? I don't what? remember. Is it Cronenberg who did it? David Cronenberg? Maybe. I don't know. Let me look it up. But then the, the last yes, it song, is. 1996, go ahead. But the last song I was going to bring up is back to school is a weird fucking song to me. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I came to white pony so late that the copy of white pony I bought had back to school on it. I knew nothing about the history of it. And I'll be honest, people might not like it, but I like it. It's a good song. I To me, I think it's just a good... It's what I like about new Metal. I think it's very funny once I learned the history of it. And Chino was... Like, you know the corn song that we have named our bonus episodes after? The chorus goes, y'all want a single? Say, fuck that. That's literally what Chino did. He's like, you want a single? You want me to do a shitty rap metal single? Fine, I'll fucking do it. They did it in like 30 minutes, apparently. I love that. I mean, that is hilarious to me. That Deftones put out what I think is a very good song in 30 minutes to be like, fuck you to the label. Um, but I can imagine you having, you know, been with the album right from the beginning. I was definitely curious to hear your thoughts about, um, about that single and, and the addition of it. For those of you who don't know, um, back to school was, uh, was written and recorded after white pony had already come out, uh, because the label was worried that there wasn't like a pure single on the album. Uh, and they wanted Deftones to create something that, that maybe would hit a little bit harder. Um, then change did so digital bath is not a pure single like it's a perfect fucking single but i guess when you're, it was the you're promo single on... digital bath was the promo single but it never came out it was never released as like an official single and when you're banking on hard rock radio which they should have yeah. never been doing deftones just aren't a rock radio band i don't I think. agree no i agree with you 
Um, uh, back to school. Uh, I like the album better without it because that was the one I bought. That's the one I had when it came out, you know? So I like the album without it more. Uh, I don't think it's a bad song, but it's not like their best moment. I mean, you know, knowing the story of it and, and hearing, hearing that is kind of like, well, that's kind of cool. But yeah, this is the, the, the actual story is it says, um, this album right here, this is from Chino, this album right here, the White Pony re-release, is not the album that we turned into the label. As far as we're concerned, the first edition was the record. Done. Then they talked us into re-releasing it with another song on it. And it's not like I'm against the song or whatever, but I liked the sequence we had when we first turned it in. When this version came out, a little part inside of all of us felt like, fuck, we just totally compromised. And I know that a lot of our fans felt bad about it too. The band also specifically regretted the presence of Back to School on the re-release of the album. As Moreno stated in an interview with German rock magazine Visions, Back to School was a mistake, a calculated song that had been built up with only one aim in mind, it should be a single. Back to School was released because I was an idiot. I wanted to prove something to the record company. Months later, after White Pony was released, they wanted us to do a new version of Pink Maggot. They said we lost our heaviness and that there were no more singles on the album. First, I wanted to stick this idea up my ass, but then I thought, I'm going to show those fuckers how easy it is to create a hit single. And so I wrapped a hip-hop part on that song, we shortened it, and half an hour later, the hit single was ready. Why did he say I wanted to stick that up my ass? <laughs> Such a because, weird... he, because he didn't like it. He, did, he didn't like it, so he wanted to stick it up his own ass. <laughs> I hate this. It I'm sticking up. it up my own fucking ass. I'm going to take that thing, and I'm going to fucking stick it up my ass. What a <laughs> weird fucking dude he is. I like the man. idea of getting right in someone's face and be and saying that yeah incredible oh, it's it's you, like it's it's, it's like something? the you gonna... eat pieces of shit for breakfast it's like that same kind of like <laughs> comeback of like you're gonna stick it up your own ass okay. you know what i meant <laughs> all right dude go for it you know what you're into yeah. i don't you sounds know? good dude whatever uh i don't like back to school as much as you do it's inoffensive to me but yeah. I didn't like it because I think I had grown past the rap stuff too, the rap metal stuff. Right. Like right. I had felt like I had gotten so into Deftones and like they didn't really rap. They would rap one song on each album. They would do Head Up. They would do, or not Head Up. Yeah, Head Up, I think, is the one I considered rap. Engine number nine, I've always yeah. felt. is, and, and one of my favorite songs by them is Engine yeah. number nine. Great song. So, like I'm not strictly opposed to him rapping. I just the album doesn't flow as well with that on it, especially opening it. Like that's the first song. Is that the first song to you? Yeah. Oh, it is to me. To me, it's the first song because that's how I listened to the album for years. See, so the first me, song is that's how it fits. Like even listening because they put out the re-release. Um, like the 20th anniversary reissue and they didn't include back to school on it. And they just started with uh fed, et cetera, or whatever, however we decided we need to say it now. Um, and, um, I felt like something was missing to me. Like it was like, Oh, Oh, we just start here. That feel like digital bath felt too soon. Like it felt like I was blowing my wad too early or something. I don't know. But, uh, um, I skip it when I listen to the album this time, even for this show, I skipped it because right. I just don't want it there. I want to hear yeah, no, that's fair. that opening riff 
first is so perfect for T Sierra's opening riff is just perfect. It's the first song to me. And Pink Maggot is the last song to me. Yeah, no, that and that's totally fair. I, I do remember, pardon me, like not knowing any of the history, listening to White Pony and being like, why does Pink Maggot kind of have the same chorus as back to school that feels really weird and then it was also weird that they like subtitled the song mini maggot as if to be like yeah we know this is part of that other song so like don't worry about it it's fine i think honestly too for me part of it was the video like i think i would always have this idea of and and i don't know if you get i mean i know you walk a lot brian and like i feel like when i have particular songs on in my headphones and i'm walking down the street i just feel like check me out I'm fucking cool. This song rocks. And I feel like that was kind of exactly what happened to me with, uh, with back to school. Like I could picture myself being like, yeah, your backs, packs, pens and pencils. Just like I flipping it and you just keep it. Sit-. Like I was just picturing myself walking through the school and I was graduating high school when I heard this being like, mm, I'm cool. Everyone's, I mean, I was a fucking nerd, but like everyone looking at me uh, and then the video was basically that like Chino just yeah. walking through a high school, kicking binders off of desks and shit. And I was like, mm, yes, fucking give it to me. I think me. The, the video is bad. I like anytime I can see them. Cause I think they're a very cool looking band too. And they didn't look like all the other bands, which I know. Yeah, you no, know, they don't. Chino's a good-looking guy. I mean, even hot I can guy. tell that. Chino's a hot guy, no question. I mean, it's inarguable. I think Abe is a pretty good-looking guy too. Can't argue with Abe. Can't argue right. with Abe. He's a. I mean, he's a drummer though. I got a bit. I got a thing for that. You know. Um, was there anything uh, in the articles that uh, that stood out to you, Brian, that you wanted to touch on? Just one we... piece. Just one little okay. piece here. Okay, little, so we, we looked at two piece. articles for this. There was one from Alternative Press from August 2000, so a couple months after it came out. And then we we had the oral history that we've been kind of talking about uh, from The Ringer. One, I don't like that Steph is mean to waitresses. That, yes, that I hated that in the AP. I, and this is like so we always focus on the like really shitty little backstories because in Rolling Stone is so bad for this, as we've talked about a bunch of times, we'll be like, yeah, we were backstage and then lead singer John Jackson kicked a chair and said, fuck you chair. You know, there's always just this like really shitty backstory. And this one is brutal. Uh, this is from uh, the alternative press story in August, 2000 talking about them going to a waitress, uh, sorry, going to going to a waitress, going to a, uh, going to a local brewery uh, to have breakfast, I think, uh, which or a lunch. And it says uh, within minutes that they go first, they go to one place And upon arrival, Moreno declares the place unsuitable. So they get back into three separate cars to go to a local brewery. Within minutes of the band's arrival, Carpenter insults the sprightly waitress. Fortunately, the whole situation is quickly ironed out and everyone gently comes back down to earth. Moreno slouches in his seat and lets his head fall back. People think when you've got a record deal, you've made it. (laughs) I like the juxtaposition of that quote right there. Didn't he also, yeah, that said it was a place that was right across the street. They jumped in three cars to drive 30 seconds. Across the street, yeah. 
just so frustrating to me. And, oh, and totally. like they just annoyed the shit out of me for some reason. I'm sure it was a couple blocks down or whatever, but I mean, come on, you can walk 10 blocks to get something to eat before a show. Maybe you should take a walk before a show. That's what I do. And it feels great. So uh, uh, the interviewer asked, do you think the average rock fans gets what you're trying to put across with your lyrics? And Frank, with a normal answer, uh, I think if you're just an average kid with Chino's lyrics, you can make them fit any situation in your life. And uh, um, Chino goes, but you have to have some intelligence. If you're not going to use your brain at all, you would think I'm making no sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, which I found to be like a very Napoleon dynamite kind of thing to say. Yes. Yeah, no. I mean, it's true. I like... I mean, I like the idea that they're both at like Frank's just sort of like, yeah, I mean, the lyrics don't really make sense, but like whatever, it's fine. And Chino's just like, well, but I mean, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit smart. I'm fucking really actually pretty smart. So you're going to have uh, an I, a certain IQ. You got to have an IQ over a hundred in order to understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just pay attention. You fucking dim bulb or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, oh uh, I think also uh, there was one other little thing in there where they were all where where they talked about and it's so corny. It's Stephen Carpenter or Stefan being corny as shit is when uh, they talk about him making Terry date quit and they're like, how long did you quit for? And he was like, 45 minutes until after the joint was lit up. <laughs> God, Steph is such a loser. I mean, we we don't have to bother getting into all this like flat Earth and anti-vax shit or whatever. But even just this quote right here. Um, so this is like the the Ringer's uh, oral history, which if you haven't read it, it's quite good. Um, it, it's divided into four parts. So part two is talking about them actually recording the album. So it says uh, in uh, in August 1999. Uh, the band headed to the plant in Sausalito, California. The sessions took longer than expected. By early 2000, the band moved operations to Los Angeles as Date mixed songs and Moreno worked on vocals. The 10-month period from the recording of the album to the eventual release was filled with parties, marathons of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and tension between Carpenter and Moreno. Carpenter. Back then, my thought was, wow, isn't it lucky that you get to learn how to play guitar in your signed act? As long as he's been playing this, as long as he's been playing guitar, there's this constant story that's been projected that we've been at odds with each other. There's about 98% of the time when we're not at odds with each other, which is just like, if you're not at odds with each other, why would you answer the question that way? Oh, I thought it was mighty convenient that you just decided to learn how to play guitar while we're already in a signed band, you fucking loser. Like it was just... <laughs> I just could that quote just rocked me. I was like, Steph feels like an absolute moron uh, yes. who would be just a nightmare to work with. A nightmare. I mean, yeah. God. Some Can of you these imagine quotes those conversations. Just, oh, my God. Bus. Well, especially when all that shit came out about the like the 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 uh, like the flat earth shit and all that. Like he's talking. They're talking later about Tony Hawk. 
And Terry Date said, I think the best decision the studio owner at the plant ever made was to put Tony Hawk on a big screen in the lounge. There were so many hours of studio time burned because we weren't doing a damn thing. And then Carpenter answers, says, Terry would give us grief we were, because we were crushing on that all the time. Terry's like, we're in the studio, guys. This costs money. And we we're like, whatever. We're playing this video game. The best part was just acting a fool and stringing all types of tricks together. You didn't even have to know what you were doing. Yes. It's like, so he's just describing like how you play Tony Hawk in this like oral history of the ringer. I mean, you should have seen this thing. You didn't even know half to how to play video, how to, how to have to play video games. Didn't even matter. And he's, and, and like he is just describing exactly what the game is like it's some secret that they figured out while they were recording (laughs) one of the most popular games of all time and he's like (laughs) you don't even fucking have to know how to play video games have you heard this you string the combos together it's crazy It's the whole yes. game. Yeah, the that's whole the function. whole thing. That's the whole thing. If you know anything about Tony Hawk, that's the only thing you'd know is that Tony Hawk is in it and that you can string combos of tricks together. Those are like the two <laughs> things you would know about the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it, it really is. Um, it just really is quite something, you know? And, and I think it's really funny because it, it seems like multiple times carpenter does seem to like slam chino for like acting or thinking like he's a rock star whereas like carpenter seems to be the one who's like deliberately acting aloof and just like being a dickhead for no reason like like a rock star would you know it's just so interesting that he's like constantly kind of putting that on chino and being like well you know he oh he learned how to play guitar in the band and oh he, he took so long to write these lyrics and blah 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 it's like he's not berating waitresses although he's deciding that restaurants that they've already walked into are not suitable (laughs) yeah it is uh i mean it's just really truly a uh it's truly an experience you know Um, yeah it's just how how guys that kind of stupid made one of the greatest albums i've ever heard is just it's incredible and i think we're good we're better than like boomers because boomers think that fucking Mick Jagger is a genius. And we're saying like, no, these guys are very stupid, but they made good music. So that's right. something. Yeah, I do think there there was a sense or like because I think part of that, Brian, is this sort of is this sort of like mythical thing, right? Like back in the day, a famous band like you only knew as much about the band as they wanted you to know. So it was like really easy for a band to just, pardon me, do like five interviews a year with only super highbrow publications, uh, doing, writing up interviews and profiles that were really well done and really, um, you know, really finely constructed kind of thing. Uh, you know, and you would only, yeah, like I said, you'd only know what you knew and you also knew you couldn't be a rock star. So there was some sort of like inherent genius, in like oh well this guy these guys are rock stars and i could never be a rock star so they must be a genius they must have some sort of musical genius going on whereas now people get famous and you're like well they have no discernible talent whatsoever sometimes being famous is just about having rich parents or being in the right place at the right time or whatever and steph is doing interviews with like 
you know, some fucking right wing news website that gets like 10,000 hits a month being like, yeah, for sure the earth is flat and uh, vaccines kill you. And, you know, what I like. So it just you you can't get away with that shit anymore. They, they, these people talk too much. People ask too much of them. And now we, we figure out the truth. Well, and and like they could give it up now, though, like they could say like Paul McCartney, good songwriter. But I mean, he's not a genius. Okay, no, that's all yeah, I'm no. saying. Yeah. Is <laughs> give it up now, like <laughs> that we know. Yeah, throw us but, a bone, uh, baby. But yeah, I uh, um, yeah, I love this album. Me so. too, baby. Me too. Well, let's get to our tweet defense. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the show for the first time, uh, every month uh, to review the album, we give it what we call a tweet defense score, which is to say that if someone tweeted at you. Uh, hey, I don't like White Pony. Uh, how many tweets would you do in defense of the album? Uh, Brian, I'll let you go first. I'm currently spiraling because of the numbers that I've given. So I'm just going to do this right now. Okay. Okay. 100. Wow. 100. 100. Nothing will ever beat this. It is one of my favorite albums ever. <laughs> 100 wow i like that and i want to see it so someone please tweet at brian and keep him on the line for 100 tweets uh, well no it's like that's not gonna happen but <laughs> i i do but you would i will say no i'm not gonna do this but i i'm saying that in my fantasy world in my brain i would spend all day doing 100 tweets Hell defending yeah. uh because it's a fantasy really world where i tweet still yes yeah yeah of course <laughs> it's only a dream um yeah i would say uh i mean this is this is definitely the highest for me too um i would probably i'll go 15 i think i would go 15 yeah. tweets um yeah, there's just so many things to say there's so many different songs i like so many different parts of this album i like um fuck yeah i'm all about it so that's a, that's a huge tweet defense for me uh yeah deftones i mean our our best reviewed album ever i guess um so yeah if you want to before we get to the end of the show uh if you want to donate to the show you can do so at patreon.com slash the pod cast and that's cast with a k like the band corn uh for four dollars a month you get access to one full-length bonus episode and two singles episodes every month so that's three bonus episodes for four dollars pretty damn good deal if you want to commission a single for us to listen to for example we just did the song no light by third strike that's going to be coming out later this week uh if you want to commission a song for us to listen to uh it's twenty dollars uh if you want to commission a full bonus episode for us to listen to it's fifty dollars all that information is at patreon.com slash the pod cast if you want to follow the show on twitter you can do so at the pod underscore cast and again that's cast with a k uh it's always good to follow us there because you get to uh, vote in our polls you get to vote on who won the challenge uh, and all that other good stuff. And you can keep up with all the latest in new metal news. Oh, and also if you donate to the show now on Patreon, you also get access to our discord. We've got a chat server now uh, where, you know, if you're dying to talk about new metal with other people who love it just as much as you do, uh, your donation to the show comes with a free link to the discord. So we'll get you in there and uh, you can have a blast with us. It's been really fun so far. We just launched it a couple days ago and uh, it's been really fun. So 
check all that out uh now brian uh we're at the part of the show where we do a challenge uh and uh for those of you who don't know every month we do uh, brian and i do a one-on-one competition to determine uh, or it's based on the album uh we do a one-on-one competition uh brian i regret to inform you that i won uh last month's challenge which was to, to design a crazy town album cover that's uh, fair you, though you did i the, fucked that one up <laughs> You did the redesign of the gift of game where you had shifty shell shock sitting in a throne and uh, scoring a basket on a basketball hoop uh, without looking. And then I had their new album intergalactic pimps uh, where there, there are two hot aliens making out on the cover. Uh, so I believe uh, that brings us to uh, this is episode 17. So I believe now I am at uh, I'm at uh, uh, nine wins. Uh, you're at six wins and we have one tie. So uh it's it's still it's close you know it's anyone's game as we move forward and and brian this month's challenge we kind of stewed over a little bit and and you were definitely really into the song meanings and the song titles on this album so uh what we are going to do is we're going to choose a song title from this album and we are going to reimagine uh or we're just going to tell you what the song should or would be about so it's it's taking uh taking a deftone song title and uh imagining that uh Imagining what the song is about. Uh, Brian, y- you can go first. Okay, I'm going to choose Passenger. Okay. And what it's going to be about is getting a blowjob in a car that is hooked up to a tow truck that is on an airplane. That's what the song's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Passenger. Hey, wait, what? How is the tow truck hooked up to the airplane? I want to know a little bit well, more about these logistics. the tow truck is inside of the airplane. It's oh, one of those okay. big, fast and furious, big jets. Oh, like a cargo jumbo plane. Jet. Yeah, a okay, cargo so, plane. So and there's then a tow truck in a cargo plane that's carrying a car, and someone's getting their dick sucked in the car inside the plane. Yeah, front seat, not back seat. Because back seat's a little easier to do than the front seat. So I'm going to say front seat. Just to add a little fucking texture to the song. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, my, <laughs> mine is going to be uh, Knife Party. Uh, and I'm imagining that uh, Knife Party is uh, much like a Tupperware or an essential oils party, but it's for dudes only. It's a dudes rock knife party uh, where Brian invites friends over to his house to sell them knives. Uh, he's a big knife guy. He loves, he's a knife expert now, and he just wants every man to experience the joy of having his own knife. He, he's seen the light as knife guy, Brian, and he wants to bring that to all his friends. So yeah, everyone you could, all the Chapo guys are there. Brett's there. Chris James is there. Stefan and I are there. It's just like all the leftists, the trillbillies are there. We're all just hanging out. And Brian's telling us about all the benefits of his brand new knives. And That's- it's, pr- it's pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good one too. I don't know who's gonna win this one. Uh, Two I think very I different cheated. vibes, I would say. Different vibes for sure. I cheated by saying blowjob. I think that's that's where yeah, the cheat people comes do. In. People do like the do like the sex um, do like the sex thing. Okay, so Felix is giving Will a blowjob. No, my that's knife. not I'm right. Jo- <laughs> I'm joking. Is that the? I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. Eat even the score no i'm just kidding yeah no it's fine we're I having think you a might very win. we're having a very above board knife party um great well that is uh that's it for the show before we go uh we do need to put some albums up for the poll uh again if this is your first time listening to the show every month at the pod underscore cast on twitter uh we will release a poll 
You're going to put four albums up on the poll. Brian is going to choose two. I'm going to choose two. And whichever one gets the most votes is the album we will do for next month. So, Brian, you said you have a theme this month. We've been wait- I've theme. been waiting all episode to get to this theme. I'm excited to hear it. What is it? Go ahead. So it's one good one, one bad one. Yeah. Uh, these are both albums that I've nominated before. Uh, okay. One of them, it's been kind of a long time. And what this is, is old guys going new metal. And uh, okay. I'm going to do Sepultura Roots, and I'm going to do Methods of Mayhem. Those are the two albums. It's okay. Tommy Lee going new metal, and it's Sepultura going new metal. So that's my that's my two. Okay, I like that. We we uh, someone commissioned get some uh, or sorry get naked. I mean um, from Methods of Mayhem for the singles. So we, we're going to have that coming up in February. It could be a double dip of Methods of Mayhem in February <laughs> if that wins. Uh, so could Godspeed to us. Um, I am going to put one up on the poll that we have done and one we haven't, or like, I mean, one I've put up before. I was very intrigued because, um, last month you put up an album by Limp Biscuit, Gold Cobra, because you had never heard it before. And one of our longtime listeners, I think a day one listener of the show or pretty close to a day one listener, Shelly, had said that they think that it's Limp Bizkit's best album, that it combines like everything that's good about Limp Bizkit into one package and that they couldn't understand why more people didn't like it. So that tweet alone just like twigged me because I've never heard it. I've never heard one second of it. Came out in 2011. I was well over Limp Bizkit by then. So uh, I know we just did Limp Biscuit in September, but I am intrigued. So I'm going to put Limp Biscuit Gold Cobra up on the poll. And then I'm going to put one. Uh, we've sort of done this band before. Uh, we covered a tribute album to their lead singer, uh, but we've never actually put the poll or the, the album up on the poll before. And that is Get Some by Snot. Um, mm. So lynn straight obviously passed away and we did the straight up tribute album with jordan yule that was back in uh, i think july august somewhere in there uh but we never i don't think we've ever put snot up on the poll so those will be your four options you'll have sepultura you'll have methods of mayhem you'll have limp biscuit and you will have snot uh so yeah follow us on twitter at the pod underscore cast the polls usually go up sometime around the end of the month and you can have your say again you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the pod cast four dollars a month gets you access to our discord and three bonus episodes every single month thank you for listening thank you for choosing white pony uh we love you all we'll see you next month bye